Hello, and thank you for listening. I'm Jay Lemons. Welcome to Leaders on Leadership, brought to you by Academic Search and the American Academic Leadership Institute. The purpose of our podcast is to share the stories of the people and the forces that have shaped leaders in higher education and to learn more about their thoughts on leadership in the academy. I'm delighted today to be joined by Dr. Barbara Farley. Barbara currently serves as the president of Illinois College, a post that she has had for the last decade. How can it be, Barbara? And congratulations on hitting a wonderful milestone. Thank you very much, Jay. It does seem impossible, 10 years. Before Barbara arrived at Illinois College, she served in various faculty and leadership roles across five different institutions. She holds her bachelor's degree in business administration and management from the College of St. Benedict and went on to earn her master's and PhD in business administration from the Carlson School of Business uh, School of Management, excuse me, at the University of Minnesota. Um, Barbara is a significant leader and her influence in higher education is national. She's the chair of the board of directors of the Council of Independent Colleges as well as the chair of the Midwest Conference Presidents Council. I'm not sure which of those two might be the greater tax on your time. Uh, it may matter from uh, sports season to sports season, but uh, God bless you for all the service that you do. Um, it's, it's, uh, it's important. Well, it's a real privilege, Jay, thank you. Um, I love being part of our professional network of colleagues across the country. It is one of the gifts of this work, of meeting fascinating people who are doing amazing uh, amazing work across the, across the globe. It, it is so true. And um, I know firsthand how important the, the, uh, the, the, the nurturing and the fellowship and the, the, the colleagueship that's shared within uh, the, uh, the Council of Independent Colleges has been for so many of us. And thank you for being a steward of, of a great, great organization that serves, you know, uh, 700 um, of, our, of our private institutions that are all working hard to do um, uh, their own mission in their own way. Well, I am enjoying the work so much. Um, the, I think one of the first professional development uh, opportunities I had when I was a dean at Augsburg University was to attend a CIC workshop on libraries and innovation in libraries in the future. And uh, CIC has been part of my professional life um, for so many, many years. And I know you've done a podcast with our amazing leader, Marjorie Haas, and it's such a privilege to work closely with her. Amen, indeed. And, you know, CIC is really this large tent organization with incredible diversity. Um, uh, but but uh, I have always appreciated about CIC that uh, the, um, the presidents who are a part of it um, are, uh, are willing to share and to lean on one another and to be vulnerable um, uh, when, when, when gathered together. And um, so, uh, and you are our leader um, uh, at this point in time. I also want to make note of your commitments to your um, local community um, uh, uh, with a real focus around health care. You serve on the board of directors for both Memorial Health and the Jacksonville Memorial Hospital. You've also been um, your state association president um, and have served also uh, NICU on its tax policy committee, um, uh, as, in addition to uh, being a steward of the Presbyterian colleges and universities and on the executive committee of the Federation 
of independent colleges and universities of Illinois. You are doing it all. It's a pleasure. I just want to say welcome, Barbara. I'm, I'm so glad to have this time with you, Jay. Thank you for inviting me to join you on your very successful podcast. Well, thank you. Um, um, it is it is really a joy to have a chance to spend um, this amount of time in a conversation with you. And really, my goal and creation of this podcast is uh, to create some space for leaders to be reflective and to consider and think about their own pathways, with a hope that um, that it will be meaningful. Um, to the next generation of leaders. And, and your story, Barbara, is one I have been anxious to hear more about. And, and I want to hear about, you know, the people, the places, the events that have really forged you um, as a leader as your journey has unfolded. And, and, and so, you know, tell us a little bit about how in the world, um, uh, you know, where are you from and how did you land um, at Illinois College? Well, I, I looked back into my biography here to think about uh, this question. <laughs> I am a Midwesterner. I was born in South Bend, Indiana. Uh, my parents moved to, my dad was a Notre Dame fan, would have liked me to go to Notre Dame. Uh, then we moved to Chicagoland area. I grew up in the Northwest suburbs of Chicago and in the suburbs of Minneapolis, Minnesota. My father worked for Jostens. And oh. uh, he was transferred to the corporate office in Minneapolis when I was a young teenager. So I count uh, Indiana, Illinois, and Minnesota home. So I come full circle as the president of, of Illinois College. My um, family roots are in North Dakota. So my family, both my parents grew up in North Dakota and Fargo uh, area. So uh, I, I always joke, if you know the the Midwest, you know that's Highway 94, and you just keep moving until you hit Fargo. So I I feel very proud of, of my roots. I, I'm thinking about the amazing, truly remarkable people who have, who have shaped me. And uh, if you'll give me a moment to think Please. about some of those early, early influencers, I too, you know, we all have our favorite stories about the teacher who made a difference in the world. And my two teachers in my young life when I was in Chicago uh, were Miss Weil. She was my fourth grade teacher. And Miss Weil had energy and she just sparked imagination. And we were doing hands-on projects. And this was all very new. And I think I'd always been a reader, but she was really all over that. And I have never forgotten her. And then when I was in seventh grade, I took French and for the very first time, and Miss Corin opened a world of this thing called another language. And uh, we can talk about this more later, but yeah. that that spark of that young teacher, she was probably 22 years old, uh, yeah. it has created a lifetime passion around the study and the experience of French culture. So I think about those two people as really casting me into this world of learning in yeah. important ways. My parents were right there behind me. Yeah. Uh, my mother and father were insistent that their three children, I'm the middle child, that we would all go to college. Uh, my parents were grad college graduates, North Dakota State University and Moorhead State University. Uh, but my mother in particular said, you will go to college 
and you will live on campus because she did not have that opportunity. And uh, in the day, not all of my friends' parents were encouraging their daughters to live on campus. And uh, so I've always appreciated my mom's non-negotiable experience. And I think that has a lot, has influenced me in terms of being part of residential private liberal arts colleges for my entire career. I also think about my career as a series of friendships and professional relationships and experiences uh, with people who come from all over the world, uh, students, colleagues, professional colleagues, as we talked about earlier um, in, the, in the industry. And they've been mentors and they've been role models, people who have been supervisors to me, uh, people I have admired along the way. And as I have moved, and I'll say a word about that in a minute, you know, I have moved to different institutions as my career developed and I made choices about the direction of my career. And I have always said to everyone who knows me that it's been the people I have met along the way who have made the biggest difference in um, everything that has come to me. I was encouraged, Jay, to pursue an MBA and a PhD uh, following my time at College St. Benedict, where I graduated. And I was sparked by an interest in larger strategic issues of organizational behavior, organizational systems. And I was a bit of a, um, uh, I was different from a lot of people in my MBA class who were very focused on, I'm going to be in finance and I'm going to be in marketing. And I really didn't I wasn't interested in the narrowness of the functional disciplines. I wanted to think more broadly about organizations and leadership and became fascinated by the role of chief executive officers in, in organizations. I did uh, minor studies in my PhD program in organizational communication and organizational psychology, and that has shaped my whole career. Um, so I've had these just incredible people who have said to me, have you ever thought about? And that's mm -hmm. such a powerful question. And it opens so many doors. And the, the person I have to name is, who really was the door opener and the encourager um, is my late husband, Jack Farley. Uh, he was the one who was always saying, you know, there is an opportunity in X place at this institution. Have you thought about this as potentially a next uh, a next stage? And so I was so lucky and I think about him every day. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So Jack, Jack passed 16 years ago and he is still very much at the, the root of the work that I, that I do every single day. So let me say a couple yeah. other things about my Thank you, my Thank you so much for sharing. Yeah, please do. Yeah, he was amazing. He was just amazing. Um, and he um, he had he was someone who was uh, always looking to the future. I think when I talk about who has forged mm. me, uh, Jack had this incredible capacity uh, with everybody around him. I was just one of the, you know, the real beneficiaries. He was always looking to the future. He didn't look back. He wanted to think, how could I how could I adapt to this new moment? What are the next steps I need to take to um, help the person who's in front of me? He was a very, very busy 
uh, man. And he told me once that uh, he, you never said to somebody, I'm too busy to spend time with you. It's not about my calendar. It's about what do you need right now? And I thought that was a powerful uh, example of yeah. what it means to be in relationship to, to people. So my career path, Jay, is one that's very traditional and uh, yeah. that has led me to the presidency. It is uh, perhaps not as traditional, I know, as it used to be, but my career has been on the academic side of the house. I started yeah. as a as a faculty member at St. John's University in Collegeville, Minnesota. I moved to- The other department. end of the lake. Yes, exactly, exactly. And I was department chair, uh, and then I, I moved. I moved away from a ten gave up tenured position and had to make decisions. And I think many of your listeners have been at that point where you, yep. as a faculty member, do I see myself as prime, having primarily an academic scholarly in the classroom focused career at a particular institution, or am I going to make a different decision? And I made that decision and I had the opportunity to be the graduate program director at another school. And I was hired as an outside department chair. I taught graduate students for the first time in my career. Wow. And uh, it was a very meaningful experience. I was in Duluth, Minnesota, and we had satellites uh, in Hibbing and Brainerd, Minnesota, and I was on the road teaching graduate students. It was, it was, it was, a, it was a challenging and really important period of my life. Yeah. And then I moved to a chief academic officer role uh, and uh, dean of faculty. And then I moved to Augsburg University, where I was the dean, and then uh, was very fortunate to work under Paul Privenow as the vice president of academic affairs and dean of the college. And so that's what I was doing. I was at Augsburg for 13 years, and, yeah. um, and I had an opportunity to uh, consider uh, pursuing a presidency, and was I'm so grateful for the encouragement that I had and all the experiences that I had at different organizations that brought me to the moment where I was excited about this prospect. And I'm so honored that Illinois College elected me to serve as the 14th president. I'm the first female to serve in this role. And it has in Jacksonville, uh, Illinois. So we are in West Central Illinois, town of about 20,000 people near the capital of Springfield. Yeah. And it's just been a great home for me over the last the last decade. Uh, yeah. So those are those are that's the that's my story, uh, Jay. I think I would close it out on on this reflection of saying that in this group of colleges and universities uh, where I have worked during my career, four of them were associated with Catholic Benedictine monasteries. Uh, the two um, sister sisters. Uh, two female monasteries and two male monasteries, and uh, and that and my, I'm an alma mater. So I spent almost 20 years under in the Benedictine influence yeah. of my career, and so what was instilled in me, Jay, in those in those experiences or the values of the Benedictines who have a sense of place, number one. But there's a focus on community, respect, hospitality stewardship and love of learning. 
and those values i i would say have really been foundational to me as i have lived my life and been part of these really incredible colleges and universities throughout my career so i think those are the things i would say about uh, what has forged me, the people and the places and the experiences. I, I really appreciate every bit of that. Um, and um, you said so many things that resonated with me. Um, I, I say to my, my, uh, my, my kids all the time, um, I don't care where you are or what you're doing. We found great people everywhere, but it is about the people that you're with and then, you know, this last closing piece, Barbara, just really rings true how we learn from the traditions of the rootedness of the place and the people where we uh, are, are learning and growing as young professionals. And this Benedictine influence and the charism that I think you eloquently described, um, just, you know, and, 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 and guess what? Um, um, the Lutherans and the Presbyterians um, who you have served more recently have also been the beneficiaries of some of those Benedictine gifts in a beautiful way. I've been very lucky uh, yes. to have served at faith-based institutions <clears throat> throughout my career, and I feel so lucky, and I've had that diversity of experience Yeah, yeah. Uh, across across. Uh, denominations. So I, yeah. I I feel very, very fortunate. Well, um, uh, and I know those who you have worked with and, uh, and, and, and for feel the same way. Let me, let me uh, ask you the next question is what makes a good leader? And, and by good, I, I mean it not as in grade B. Um, I mean it in the and Hasselmo um, realm of virtuous and effective and and someone who ultimately gets results and is successful. I think that what makes a good leader, there are a lot of things, uh, a few that I know. I think you have to have clarity of purpose. You have to know why, why you were engaged in this work. Uh, yeah. Why do you want to be a steward of this institution at this moment in time. You have to have a commitment to the mission, wherever you are. You have to have a fit, you have to have a belief in that mission that you want to, you want to carry that call into the world. Yeah. So Jay, because of my background in organizational behavior and leadership, I, I've been influenced by some pretty cool writers along the way. And uh, throughout my career, I have come back to the Heifetz and Lori article. It's from the late 90s called The Work of Leadership. And they talk about adaptive challenges. And I think what makes good leaders really is in line with what Heifetz and Lori tell us about the uh, capacity to move from the balcony to the field of action. Yeah. And the, the, the image is so powerful to me because what they're saying is good leaders have to be able to step back, be up on the balcony, away from the intensity of the moment, to look for context, to understand context, to appreciate patterns. Yeah. And they have to be able then 
to move onto the field of action and understand how that's all playing out and then be able to lift back up. So I think there is a capacity for to be able to go back and forth and recognize that adaptive challenges have no clear answers. And you have to be willing to ask a lot of questions. You have to be willing to be wrong. Yeah. Uh, you have to be somebody who has an attitude of alignment between the strategy and how you execute or implement the strategy. I think you have to be a problem solver. You have to want to roll up your sleeves and be part of the action and be able to communicate the broader scope of what's happening within an organization at any given time. And I believe that that requires an amazing capacity for inter interpersonal um, uh, skill development mm -hmm. and the desire to work with a wide range of students and faculty and uh, professional colleagues across the institution and to work outside of the institution. So those are the things that stand out to me about what makes a, a good leader. Wonderful. Well, on any of these, we could chase out um, um, in great <clears throat> depth. Um, I, I'll, I'll, I'll keep moving um, um, forward. Um, Rosabeth Moss Cantor, you know, um, says that leadership is not a solo act, um, right. that it's um, a duet or a trio. And, and so brings me to thinking about a team. Um, and what do you look for in the leaders that are a part of your team? It's such an important group of people. Um, the people I speak from the from the role of the president the the senior leadership team they are the drivers in so many ways of what can happen on campus and i have worked with um, a number of, of of people in those leadership roles i think it comes down to um i think a few really important things i one is all the things i just talked about about what makes a yeah. good leader you know yeah. i'm looking for that capacity particularly this ability to um, and the will, the will and the capacity to move an organization forward. And that is grounded in a commitment to the mission and why it is we do what we do. You've got to wake up every morning, as we say at Illinois College, and put the student in the middle of the table. And what are we doing to create opportunities and great experiences, fabulous education, so that our students graduate ready for the next phase of their work. And a senior team cannot lose sight of that. I yeah. think that a senior team and the leaders that I would look for are um, really clear about the contemporary needs. And this is one of the joys of leadership that we have to grab onto, which is that the organization's not static. I mean, we all know that in reality, but that means that what we need in terms of our own contributions as a leader within the same institution and as new leaders come into the institution, we have to be ready and willing to adapt mm -hmm. to what has happened. I am not the same person or leader uh, I was when I came here 10 years ago because I have had this dynamic set of experience was with trustees and amazing board chairs and all the people I get to interact with. And 
they are changing me and helping me to grow and develop. And therefore, I think the people I um, I seek, and I have this amazing senior team at Illinois College, is we have to be ready to use Jim Collins's uh, image. We have to be willing to put our shoulder to the flywheel and yeah. make it make it move faster and faster and, and faster. So I look for complementarity among the members of the team. And I look for um, the capacity to be in this moment, but also looking ahead strategically about where do we need to be a year from now, two years from year now, and so forth. And I think leaders need to build a team that wants to spend time together and that they are excited and supportive of each other. That is so true. Thank you. What advice do you have for new leaders or those who aspire to leadership in the academy? I think you. I think that uh, aspiring leaders and new leaders. My advice is be open to those opportunities. Be open to walking through doors within your own institution, because one can create an amazing career. Uh, within your own institution. I made choices to move to different institutions to pursue different opportunities, but everyone is in a different place. I think that my advice is just keep learning, ask a lot of questions. How do things work? Why does it work that way? How can I help? Be open to change and be willing to offer solutions. I had a great colleague who told me once that um, it's best if you walk into the president's office with solutions and not just putting a problem in the middle of the table. And I think that that is true no matter where we are in our in our careers. And be willing to take risks. Be willing to take professional risks in pursuing your goals and be willing to take risks within your organization to achieve those goals. Yeah, I love that. It comes back to, have you ever thought about? It is, uh, have you ever thought about? Or or would you? And your advice is um, uh, answer in the affirmative unless it's crazy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, wonderful, wonderful. Uh, what do you see as the biggest challenges facing leaders today? It's a complex higher education market. If I stay within our sector, you know, we could say this about the world. Yeah. I think that leading in a post-pandemic world is a, a new a new phase. It's a new phase for leaders uh, yeah. across the world. And what I see as challenges in our sector are around uh, changes in some attitudes about higher education, uh, for students and their families. Uh, we have to continue to make the case for why it matters that uh, college education will make a difference in your life and will help you to grow and develop into just extraordinary talents and talented people. Um, there is a labor market that is really challenging right now. We talk a lot at Illinois College about building capacity, organizational capacity. Do we have the capacity to do the work we need to do? And that means, do we have the pool of talent yeah. to help us to be successful? So I think it's a very, very competitive market. One has to think very carefully about the challenges to our business models. We have to be thinking about the 
um, real trauma in some cases for students who have come through the pandemic in high school. And they are, we know nationally, they are struggling. There are the challenges around mental health that are real. Yep. And we have to embrace students where they are. And I feel very strongly about this as, as, as a leader. We have to take students where they are and then help them to reach heights they could never have imagined. And that is important work. And it's the work that I care deeply about and why I continue to you know, get up every day and think about what are the contemporary challenges that we have to face as, a, as, as Illinois College and as a sector. Yeah, yeah. Uh, thank you. Um, it, it, it complex is a great summary of where we live in the world that we're at. Um, and, and yet I am mindful and I try and remind others, look back across history over a long period of time. And um, boy, our predecessors also had to live through and, and wrestle with really difficult um, um, adaptive problems for which there are not clear, easy solutions. So that's yeah. exactly right. And yeah. Illinois colleges, Illinois College will celebrate its bicentennial in 2029. And I think of the 13 presidents who came before me, they they all faced their own uh, big deal issue in their era. And we you know, have persevered and been resilient. Wow. So that's that. Thank you for sharing that. So nearly 200 years old, um, 194 ish or thereabouts or um, and and only 14 presidents. This is a place that has um, uh, uh, probably selected presidents exquisitely, um, but also um, would reflect a community that um, allows leaders to um, uh, to be nurtured, to grow, to learn, to survive, to prosper. And wow, the the benefits of continuity of leadership. That's beautiful. I think that it's important. I think it's really very important. And we've seen that the difference that that has made at Illinois College. Yep, yep. Hey, I'm gonna move into a little more of a lightning round where okay. I'm gonna ask shorter questions. You can answer at whatever link that you would like. But, uh, and, and in a way you you have, um, you may have answered this, the first one I wanna just give you another, another chance um, to talk about who's most influenced you. Well, you're right. I, I was very happy to talk about um, Jack Farley, but I'll tell you one other person I will lift up. Uh, it is my paternal grandmother, uh, Catherine Schultz. Uh, and she was a very special person in my life. Uh, she was in Fargo. She was a gentle, kind soul and loved her grandchildren unconditionally. And I learned so much from her just gentle spirit. And oh. I also carry her, her, her with me um, among, you know, the, the other people who have forged me. I, I want to name her. Well, thank you for sharing that. And, and Barbara, you are one of those colleagues who has this openness, this, um, it's, uh, it's a part of who you are. And so I, I think you are honoring her. Um, thank you. Uh, That's very kind. Well, I, I sincerely mean it. Um, and it's a part of the privilege of why I was looking forward to, to having this sort of opportunity. Is there a book that has had um, the, the most impact and influence on you? I would say there's a genre. Uh, I have been 
dating back to high school, I've been very interested in biographies of political leaders. And uh, so that is, I love to pick up those books. And I just finished reading uh, Appropriate to Where I'm Living Right Now, And There Was Light by John Meacham uh, about Abraham Lincoln. Uh, Abraham Lincoln, so New Salem is not very far from where I sit. We have a, we have a lot of Lincoln you know, statues and reflections here. His best friends in New Salem were at Illinois College. And they brought books back to him in New Salem. And so we hold on to the, the lore that had he been able to go to college, Illinois College would have been the place he would have come. And so I just love reading about people in the context of their, their world. And I, uh, so I looked up that book as one that I just finished that I, I, I enjoyed very, very much and was meaningful to me because of where I am in Illinois right now. Uh, no doubt. Um, uh, so that almost begs, is there a, you know, is there a particular figure, um, heroine or, or, or hero that, um, that you would, you know, beyond Lincoln, it's um, uh, as a significant, are there others that you would hold up that, that uh, from the, uh, the, the genre that you would commend? I am part of a women's literary society in Jacksonville. And Awesome. I so one year the theme was leadership, and I happened to be reading uh, Blanche Wiesen Cook's first book about Eleanor Roosevelt, and uh, Cook went on to write a trilogy, and it covers the period of time from birth to death in three amazing volumes. And so after I did book number one the literary class, Wednesday class said, well, is there a next edition? And I said, well, actually the second uh, book is out. And they said, great, will you do that next year? So three years in a row, what? I focused on that. And I was fascinated by a period of time in Eleanor Roosevelt's life I did not know anything about. And it was in about the six to six years before FDR became president in 1932. And, and so I was fascinated uh, by her. So I, uh, I've recently been in the 20th century, early 20th century and late 19th century, um, thus my Lincoln book. But I, I, I really appreciate American history yeah. and uh, reading about these uh, really remarkable people. Fabulous. I learned so much. Yeah. Well, let me take you back to the College of St. Benedict fondest memory of your time at St. Ben's? Very easy answer. I spent the junior spring semester in Aix-en-Provence, France. Ah. I was, so, I, so now we come back, we're going to circle back to French. I loved my introduction to French when I was in seventh grade. I went to the College of St. Benedict imagining that I was going to do a French major. In fact, I I was just a couple sh courses short of the French major. I did spend a semester abroad and I lived with a family, uh, Andre and Odile Salin, who were in their mid thirties, had three children and they took me in for six months and they brought me into the full context of being part of the family. And that was a transformational experience, I, mm -hmm. which I promote uh, with our students at Illinois College. 
And the, the big circle here about lifelong learning, Jay, is that I had not been uh, to France uh, since that period of time in my semester until about five years after Jack died. And I started to study French again. And I did that because I wanted to go back to France and it would be immersion French. I had to, I had to be able to engage and speak and so forth. And so in 2012, I, I returned to Aix-en-Provence and I have been part of the Salon uh, family and orbit uh, for the last 10 years. And except for COVID, I've gone every summer and I am planning to uh, see the family again in this June. So I, I I want to say to you know our listeners uh, that liberal arts education and that spark of passion that someone offers you. This is my this is my the way I spend my hours uh, when I am not focused on being the president of Illinois College. Uh, I love the study of French, and it all goes back to having that teacher who made a difference in my life. Fabulous. That's that's wonderful. How neat. Uh, the full circle. Favorite campus tradition at a place you've attended or served? My favorite campus tradition, uh, I, I experienced for the first time at Augsburg University, and I brought it to Illinois College. Well, part of it. It is the bookends of the opening convocation and commencement, uh, where at Augsburg, the faculty lined up and the, the new students uh, processed through the, the faculty. And I loved that. And then at Augsburg, we had the same thing at commencement. When I came to Illinois College, we had the commencement part, but we didn't have the opening part. And so um, we added that. And I just love that the the bookends, the story of we are welcoming you, you into this community, and now we send you forth to do the good work. So the vision at Illinois College is that we inspire achievement and empower students to make a difference in the world. And I think that those symbolic moments of welcoming and sending forth uh, in the middle, we're doing, we're just doing the important work of preparing young people for a world that they are going to change. And my hope is in them. Well said, uh, beautifully said. I can appreciate and, and applaud that. Uh, um, those are, yes, um, those are powerful symbols. Hey, if you hadn't found your way to higher ed, what else might you have done? I, I think I might have pursued being a, a, a high school French teacher, perhaps. Uh, but I will tell you what my mother thought I should do. Um, and I appreciate it because this wasn't the profession of the era uh, for women who were graduating from college um, at my time. My mother thought I should be an attorney. And I look back on that and I say, you know, thank you, mom. I'm not sure that would have been the right one, but I appreciate that she was she was thinking about those opportunities for me. And I was very, very, very lucky to have parents who had confidence in my future. They wanted to do everything they could to support me and my siblings. And uh, they were uh, part of uh, you know, my graduation from my PhD at the University of Minnesota. I've lost both my parents in the last five years. 
but they were here for my inauguration. And uh, it happened in September of uh, 13. And it is one of the glorious days in our family's um, history book and our memories. And they were so proud that I uh, came to Illinois College. They were bursting that day of my inauguration. And I think of them and with great gratitude and the support that they, along with Jack, um, gave me and made sure that, uh, you know, I would walk through those doors and they would be there to support me every step of the way. Wonderful. Well, and I know that you have now done that for generations of students at Illinois College and other institutions. Um, and so your classroom has been larger um, um, than, and, and maybe a little more indirect than uh, being a French professor or a French teacher, but I just know that's who you are and one of those gifts that you have brought to those you've served and worked alongside. Thank you very much, Jay. It's been such a pleasure to talk to you. Well, pleasure's been mine. And, you know, one of our traditions here as we wrap up uh, is uh, asking guests to, to share with our listeners sort of the special sauce, the distinctive qualities, the organizational DNA that has made Illinois College the place that has had a claim on your heart? It is the deep love that this campus has for its for our students uh, through the ages. You know, as I said, we are really focused on inspiring their achievement and empowering them. And that is true today. It was true when the college was founded by the Yale Band uh, in 1829. I think in the DNA of Illinois College, we find this optimism, resilience, a we, we will persist, and the capacity to adapt and be nimble in the time. And so as I read that book about Abraham Lincoln, I was thinking about what was going on at Illinois College in that era of the 19th century in which he lived, because we were part of most of it, his life. And yeah. so I, I think that it is that that frontier spirit and this strong desire to make a difference in the communities we serve. Uh, wonderful, wonderful. I've never had the opportunity to visit your campus. I hope one day that I will. Um, I hope so. It's a, it's a beautiful, beautiful campus. And at this time of the year, it just glistens. So I will look forward to welcoming you here, Jay. I, I, I love that. Well, thank you, Barbara, for joining us on Leaders on Leadership. It's so wonderful to have the, the chance to visit, to hear your insights and your wisdom. Um, and, um, and, and I really appreciate how much of your heart you shared today, too. Thank you, Jay. I really appreciate it. I've, I've enjoyed so much having this conversation and look forward to listening to all the podcasts that you'll be doing in the future. And I wish you the very best. Thank you so much. Listeners, we welcome your suggestions and thoughts for leaders we should feature in upcoming segments. You can send those to leadershippodcast at academicsearch.org. You can find our podcasts on the Academic Search website and wherever you find your podcasts. Leaders on Leadership is brought to you by Academic Search and the American Academic Leadership Institute. Together, 
Our mission is to support colleges and universities during times of transition and through leadership development activities that serve current and future generations of leaders in the academy. What a joy it's been to host Barbara Farley today. Thank you one final time for joining us, Barbara, on this beautiful spring day. Thank you, Jake.